Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. Guys, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And if you picked right, the lady in your life would love to see some UGA gear along with, of course, the flowers, the chocolates, all the traditional Valentine's Day stuff. But how can you go wrong with some Georgia gear? How about some Georgia National Championship gear? And the best place to pick all that up is at Alumni Hall. You can check them out online at alumnihall.com or inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens. So be the Valentine's Day hero. Hook the lady in your life up with some awesome UGA gear from Alumni Hall. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and I'm excited about today's show. We're doing something very different for the Glory UGA podcast. Those of you who've been listening for a long time, those of you who've just joined us this year, you've probably already figured this out. We have a, a pretty distinct style that I think we've cultivated over the years where we're very much a, a no-frills type Georgia sports podcast. We are always far more interested in bringing you actual like X's and O's analysis and just hardcore, hard-hitting, actual college football talk. College basketball at times, college tennis at times, but mainly you know what we do. College football is our bread and butter. We usually don't get into the storyline conversations. We leave that for other podcasts to do. We usually don't get into the drama, the controversies. We've dabbled here and there when it's related to Georgia, but we usually kind of stay away from that type of thing because that's not what draws me to college football. It's certainly part of what makes college football college football, what makes it special, but I'm far more into the actual football, the actual sport. So we usually try to just focus on that because that's what we love. And we also, like when we started the podcast, I said this many times, you know, years and years ago, back in 2015, we started it. The impetus behind the entire thing was we wanted to create a podcast for people like us, people like you who were just desperate for actual hardcore Georgia football, college football talk, analysis, X and O kind of talk. And we just didn't see that anywhere. Like we couldn't find that anywhere. We felt it was all directed toward the casual fans. So, you know, that, that's what we do. That's our MO here on the Glory UJ podcast. But that doesn't mean there aren't other topics that I would love to discuss more on the show. It's just hard to kind of find time to, to do that, especially during the college football season when we're doing four episodes a week of that like hardcore X and O focus type stuff with recaps, previews, mailbags, picks of the week, all that kind of stuff. It's hard to fit that in there. But the offseason gives us an opportunity to do maybe a little bit more of that. 
and just have some fun. And there are other Georgia-related topics, other Georgia sports out there that might not be as mainstream and just really don't get coverage anywhere, which has always been a frustration of mine because I, you guys know I love Georgia football. Like That's my number one passion in life. But as I've said plenty of times, I love all Georgia sports. You are the G. If you rep the G, I got your back. I'm all about you. And instead of just complaining about the lack of coverage of other Georgia sports. We have this podcast. We have a voice. I don't know how big of a voice it is. Not really that big in the grand scheme of things, but hey, it's a voice nonetheless. And you know what? I want to use that voice to try to cover some of the sports that I believe deserve to be covered and some of the athletes on campus that deserve to be covered, but no one really talks about and the masses don't really know. So so with that in mind, I've come up with the idea to run these episodes, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it weekly. I'm going to try my best to make it a weekly feature for us, especially if the feedback is positive. So let me know, guys. Like After today's episode, after you get done listening, if this is something you're into and you like me to do it more frequently, then please let me know. Let me Hit me up on social media at glory underscore UGA. Email us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on, on Instagram as well, just gloryugapodcast. I want to hear from you guys. I want to know, is this something that's worth my time? Do you actually care? But this is a new feature, and I'm going to call this, I think I've settled on the name, The Friday Five. And what The Friday Five is going to be is an episode where I give you five topics that have caught my attention over the course of the week. And most of these topics, almost all the topics, will be directly related to Georgia sports, whether it's football, basketball, maybe sometimes baseball, tennis here in the offseason, maybe gymnastics, maybe softball, but Georgia topics that have caught my attention that might not warrant an entire full episode like they can't be like the lead of of a typical glory uj episode but i still want to talk about them even though it's hard to kind of fit them into our typical glory uj episodes and sometimes the topics might not be georgia specific for instance there's one today we'll talk about where it's it's kind of tangentially related to georgia sports but it's not directly related to georgia athletics so sometimes it'll be that because i just love college sports guys if there's something that catches my attention, I would love to be able to, to give you guys my thoughts on that because I, I get a lot of questions on social media. That was kind of the, the idea behind this is I keep getting a lot of questions about various topics and it, it's yeah, I want to I make sure I answer all of your questions and give you my thoughts, but it's hard to fit them into our actual like core episodes. Like I just don't know exactly where they fit in, but I think we can do it on these Friday five episodes. So it's gonna be five topics that have caught my attention the course of the week. And we'll see how this goes. I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's a cool off season thing to do. And again, if you guys like it, I need to know. If you hate it, I also need to know because I don't wanna waste my time if it's not something that you guys enjoy. But all right, guys, let's kick this thing off. So Friday five, the first topic I wanna talk about is Georgia basketball. I don't know how many of you watched that disaster last night. It was disgusting. We ended up losing to Auburn by 21 points, but we were down by 30 plus multiple times in that game, and it, it was it was ugly, man. It was flat out ugly. I said earlier this week that you know we got blown out on the road in Knoxville last week, but I was like, I don't, you don't ever want to see that, but I was kind of fine with that because hey, we got blown out basically every game last year, and against Tennessee in Knoxville against a top five opponent, that was really the first time we were blown out all year. So that happens sometimes. You just play a better team on the road, but here we are, two games later. Later, getting blown out yet again on the road. Now, Auburn is a really good team. Hey, we beat Auburn earlier in the year. Now, playing them on the road, it's a different story, obviously. I also don't think Auburn's that good. Like, they're, they're a top 25 team, 
and their record's fine, I guess, but I've watched Auburn play a lot this year, and they don't do it for him, man. They really don't. I think they're getting better. John I. Broom is their center who's really starting to come on. He wasn't a major factor earlier in the year. I think their guards are garbage. I do not think their guards are good at all, and it is a guard-driven game, especially once you get in the tournament. So I don't think Auburn is really that good. I think this is a team that can easily get upset in the first round of the NCAA tournament wherever they end up. But anyway... We get blown out by Auburn. Again, the second blowout in the last three games after not getting blown out at any point the first half of the season. And there were plenty of things that went wrong in that game against Auburn. It was not just one thing. But what has become a glaring issue for me over the past two plus weeks is our effort on the boards. Our rebounding has been unacceptable over the past two plus weeks. Going back to, it really, really kind of started kicking the high gear against Kentucky. Now, Kentucky has the, the reigning national player of the year on their team, Oscar Shebway, who is just a rebound machine. But Oscar Shebway had the game of his life against us. That dude put up 37 points, 24 rebounds in one freaking game. A college game, a 40-minute college game, a Two 20-minute halves college basketball game. And in that entire game, we got out-rebounded 44-31. to That's where the issue started. And then, you know, the next game against Vandy. So in our last five games, the only game that we have out-rebounded our opponent was Vanderbilt. We out-rebounded them 40-30. to But there's a caveat there, guys. There, there's context. Vanderbilt starting center Liam Robbins did not play in that game. In fact, two of their, of their best front court players did not play in the game. They played a really, really small lineup against us and they were just raining threes all night long. They didn't really have to rebound that much. They just weren't really missing. But that, hey, we out rebounded Vanderbilt. Hey, good for us. Also lost that game. But the last three games, just like Kentucky, we've been out rebounded and by significant margins. So if you throw out the Vanderbilt game, and look, I know that's kind of cherry picking a little bit. I get that. But also Vanderbilt's best Big man was not playing. Backup big man also out for that game. Very, very small lineup. Just not typically what you see from Vanderbilt. But in four of our last five games, we were talking about Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Auburn. We have been out-rebounded by an average of nine and a half rebounds per game in those four games. That's simply not good enough. That is unacceptable. And guys, Auburn has one of the smallest backcourts in all of college basketball. The average height of their backcourt players is six foot. Now, I know those aren't the bigs who do a lot of the rebounding. It's John I. Brooms, their big time rebounder. But still, those guys are getting boards, and we simply could not grab them. It was embarrassing. And it was frustrating. And I, I got kind of angry watching it because this is a team, you know, I, I was really patting them on the back early in the season. We did our midseason report episode. This team's been playing really hard all year. It's one of the big differences that I noticed from the Tom Crean tenure to what we've got with Mike White. The Mike White era, this team plays hard. I don't think that was really the case last night in Auburn. I I, I didn't see a team that put a ton of effort into hitting the glass. Frank Anselm has been inserted in the starting lineup as our starting center. He has replaced Braylon Bridges because he gives us a little bit more as a, a shot blocker, a defender. You would think more as a rebounder with his size, his length, a little bit more athletic than Bridges is. But against South Carolina, this dude played 34 minutes, had four rebounds. Four rebounds in 34 minutes. The dude is 6'10 and long, and he had four rebounds in 34 minutes. It's not like South Carolina is very big either. They're not. Against Auburn, he only played 16 minutes after starting because he was just entirely ineffectual on the boards. Had three rebounds. That's not good enough. We have to get more production from our center in terms of hitting the glass. We simply have to. And it, it and look, guys, rebounding... Like there's skill to it. I'm not going to say there's not skill to it, but more than anything, rebounding is about effort. It's about toughness. And we got out-efforted and we got out-toughed by Auburn last night. We got punked. And I don't like to say that. That hurts me to say. I don't ever want Georgia in any sport to get punked by anybody, especially Auburn. Don't want that to happen. But that's what happened last night. 
Now, I know it's a different animal when it's on the road at Auburn. That's a really tough place to play. They've created a really good basketball culture there. I want us to have a basketball culture like that in the future. I think we can get there, but we're not there right now. So I know it's a tough environment. I understand that. But that should not affect the effort that you play with. That should not affect the toughness that you bring to the table. Now, shooting, miscommunications, those kind of things, sure, okay, I can get that to a degree. But effort, toughness, I don't care how loud the crowd is. That should not be affected. And last night, I believe that it was. And I truly believe if Mike White was sitting here listening right now, which I can almost certainly guarantee you he is not, but if he was, I think he'd be nodding his head long in agreement saying, yeah, dude, you're right. We've got to be better. He knows it. Anyone who watches it knows it. That was that was an embarrassing look. It was a bad look last night. I know that we're not there yet as a basketball program. I'm, I'm aware of that, but we've made a lot of strides this year. I think last night, it's only one drop in the bucket. It's one game. It is what it is. Sometimes you just have nights like that in college basketball. Every team has them. Or let me rephrase that. Most teams have them. But that game was a far cry from what I've seen from this team and these players who played really hard all season. It's a far cry from what I've seen all season long. And that cannot become the norm. That cannot become acceptable. And this is where Mike White says, this is part about, this is where you start to really set the culture. When you have games like that, you have to respond and you have to demand more from them. And I believe Mike White will. I'm fully confident in him. And I think we'll see a different Georgia team coming out of the gates on Saturday night in, uh, in College Station against A&M. A&M is really good. They're a really good basketball team. They've had a really nice run here in the SEC. But I, I, I'm not saying that we're going to win that game, but I do think you'll see a rejuvenated Georgia team. I think you'll see a refocused Georgia team that comes out playing with more effort, more toughness, and just with a sense of purpose in a way that we did not against Auburn. And if we don't, then then, I, then I'm going to have some more questions. Um, but I believe we'll see a different Georgia team because I believe in Mike White, and I think this team will respond the right way. But it was just not a good look last night. So that's topic one. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Topic two I love this story. And this has nothing to do with like on the field play. And this is what I'm talking about, guys. Like normally, where does this kind of topic fit into a Glory UGA podcast? Like one of our core episodes, it just doesn't really fit in. Maybe in a mailbag episode if someone asks about it. But I still think it's worthy of conversation and I still want to bring it up because I think far too often we get hyper fixated on the negative news stories that relate to Georgia football players. Obviously, most recently with the tragic accident, uh, with, with Devin Willick and, and Chandler LaCroix, 
You got the freaking AJC camping out at Toppers trying to paint a story that doesn't really need to be painted that was irrelevant to what actually happened. You've got the internet blowing up over Stetson Bennett getting arrested for a public intoxication charge. Like, was that kind of a dumb thing to do? Yeah, of course. Like, not cool, man. But like, also chill out. It's not that big of a deal, but we blow it up. We want to talk about these kind of things. And I think the really good stories, the things that would paint our players in a positive light, I think far too often they are discounted, downplayed, that they don't get the coverage that some of the salacious stories get. And I I hate that, man. I I think that sucks. So, you know, here, I have a podcast, have somewhat of a voice. So I'm going to try to do my part. So I just complain about it. Let's, uh, let's do something about it. So I sure, I'm sure a lot of you caught this. And if you didn't, Brock Bowers, Mr. All Everything Tight End, future, probably top 10 draft pick at least, you know, in, in a year or so, but just, you know, Maybe the best player in college football coming in next year. Like, seriously, maybe the best player in college football coming into the 2023 football season. So this guy, as a Mackey Award winner, as a guy who's going to be a future first-round draft pick, as a guy who's been a star since day one, really, here in Athens, two years running, two-time national champion, this guy could command a ton of NIL money. And I know that he has. I know. I think the numbers, he made over 500000 last year, from what I understand. But when he was approached by our collective, that puts money aside to make sure our players are taken care of, especially guys that have actually produced on the field to the degree that a guy like Brock Bowers has, he turned them down. He told them, no, like, I'm good. I want you to take the money that you had earmarked for me, that you put aside for me, and I want you to distribute that to my teammates. And if that's not leadership, I don't know what is, man. And look, it's not like Brock Bowers is going with Al. Like, he's got a lot of branded deals that he's going to make some money on outside of the collective. The collective is just another medium for him to get paid like that's all that is and he does have deals nil deals with other brands out there but the fact is he gave up and i don't know the exact number but i can i can assure you is a significant chunk of change you're talking about a guy the caliber of brock bowers he turned that money down from our nil and request that be given to other players who might not have the opportunities to get the branded deals that bowers has and I simply cannot get enough of this story. I cannot get enough of this story because, you know, one of the things over the past, I don't know how long it's been, man, 10 years, 15 years, I don't know the time frame. But over the years, what I call the me culture has become mainstream. For a while, there's always been the me culture. But for, like when I was growing up, it's not like it wasn't around. Like there were people who put themselves before others, but I always felt like that was the exception. I, I never felt like that was commonly accepted. But now, me culture has become the rule. And like, I'm not saying that I'm innocent in this. Like, we all look out for number one to a degree, right? Like, like part of being a human is trying to survive. And in surviving, in surviving, you're looking out for for number one. I I understand that. But in the in the world of business, the world of college athletics, especially because that's what I've always I'm always focused on. As I love it, it's just become accepted. Like, it, like selfishness has been sanctioned. Like, it really has. And like. Growing up playing sports, all I was ever taught was like, it was about your brothers. It was about teammates. It was about sacrificing for someone else. And I feel like those values have become the exception now. It's all about doing what's good for me. I'm going to get as much as I possibly can. And in a world where that has become accepted, that's become mainstream, it's just nice to know that you have a guy like Brock Bowers, who's a throwback, who was kind of who kind of represents the things that I was raised on. And maybe, and I'm not necessarily saying that I'm right. It's just what I was raised on and that's what I value. And even today, you still hear all these players talk about my brothers and my teammates and and we want to want to sacrifice for each other. But very, very, very few of them actually walk the walk. So to see a guy like Brock Bowers not just talk, to actually follow through with actions, I'm going to eat that up, man. I absolutely love that. 
you know what? There might be other guys behind the scenes who have done the same thing within our program, but they just haven't been reported on. I don't know. So if there's anybody else out there that's done something similar to what Bowers has done, I love you, man. I love you guys. I, I just don't know who you are, and I hope that those guys, their names come out. But all I know is that Brock Bowers sacrificed a lot of money, gave up money that could have been his, and he said, no, give that to my teammates. And I, I think that's also a, a sign of what we have within our locker room and within our our program, the culture that Kirby Smart has built. I talk a lot about culture on this program, on this show. I truly, in my heart of hearts, deep down to my core, believe that the culture that we have built within our program has been the difference for us the past two years. Now, I know that we have incredible talent. I'm not disputing that, but there's a couple other teams, Alabama, Ohio State, a ton of talent themselves that recruit at a top three level, almost on an annual basis, but they're not winning national titles, at least not the last two years. We are. So what's what's the reason for that? Is it coaching? I think that's certainly part of it, but I think a huge part of it is culture. And this is just a, yet another example of that. So kudos, tip of the cap to you, Brock Bowers, and I'm just glad that guy's on our team. All right, moving into topic number three in our inaugural Friday Five episode. This is something that's really off the radar from Georgia sports. It's somewhat like tangentially related, but I got, it's a stretch. It's a stretch, but it caught my attention today. I don't know how many of you saw this, but Todd Blackledge, who I believe has been with ESPN for the past 17 years. I think that's somebody came over from CBS and for at least the past decade or so, he has been the lead analyst on ESPN Saturday night primetime broadcast and does a really good job. But reports came out today that he is leaving ESPN. He's heading to NBC, not CBS, not Fox, NBC. Why NBC, you might ask? Well, with the Big Ten's new TV deal, their new package, they've given rights to a bunch of different entities out there, different networks. And NBC, who's really just kind of exclusively broadcasting Notre Dame football on the college football front, they have a Big Ten game of the week in primetime every Saturday night. And they have hired Todd Blackledge. I don't know the numbers, but I heard he got paid, uh, as you would probably imagine, he that he's been hired as their lead color analyst in the booth for the NBC primetime Big Ten game. So good for them. I, I like Todd Blackledge. I think he does a really good job. He's a, he's a consummate professional. He's definitely a pro there in the booth. He's never been my favorite color guy, but I do have a ton of respect for the job that he does. And he's just one of those voices, right? For a long time now, he has been the voice of of primetime SEC football on ESPN. Now, over the past couple years, he's been moved around a little bit. It hasn't just exclusively been the SEC. For a while it was. Now they're, they're just doing whatever's the biggest game on ESPN that night that's not being broadcast by Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet. But it is going to be weird. It's going to be different to not have Todd Blackledge be in that role in ESPN because I just I've gotten so accustomed to him being in that role. And again, he does a really good job. There's something comforting about Todd Blackledge. But he will not be calling any more Georgia football games because I think last time I checked, we're not in the Big Ten. So at least for the next however many years that this deal runs, he will not be calling any more Georgia games, which will be a, a little different. A little different. Now, to me, my mind goes to next, like who takes that job? Are they going to promote from within? I think ESPN probably will. ESPN, outside of, like I guess, for Monday Night Football, they don't really typically go out and make splash hires on the college football broadcasting front. They kind of have like a farm system, and they just kind of promote from within. My guess is that they will do that again here, and I'll be very interested to see who gets that job. My personal preference would be Jordan Rodgers, and I know a lot of you 
totally disagree with me on that. I think the best crew that ESPN has right now is the SEC Network primetime crew. Tom Hart is your play-by-play guy, Jordan Rogers as the in-booth color guy, and I also really, really do like Cole Kubelik. I really believe he does a fantastic job. And the reason I like that crew, I think, number one, Tom Hart is a play-by-play guy. I think he has a lot of personality, but he also doesn't inject himself too much into it. He doesn't go overboard. Sometimes I think some of the color guys try to put too much personality into it, and it's it's lame to me. I really like Jordan Rogers and Cole Kubelik both because I think they know a lot about football, man. They know what they're talking about, and they bring you inside the game in a way that I think a lot of analysts fall short of. And that's what I'm looking for. When I'm watching college ball game, in the broadcast crew, I'm looking for somebody that teaches me something. I love football, guys. I study this all year long. I have subscriptions to coaches networks, and I go to coaching clinics, watch coaching clinics all throughout the offseason. But I don't know everything. I'm a student in the game. As a student in the game, you want to learn. And I love when I have a broadcast crew that teaches me something that I don't know or shows me something that I didn't see that has that kind of insight. I think Jordan Rogers does a fantastic job with that. Now, his view as a former quarterback is certainly more offensive in nature. He looks at things from the quarterback standpoint, reading coverages, what defenses are trying to do, route combinations, those kind of things. Cole Kublik, obviously, as an offensive, former offensive lineman, brings you a very unique perspective on the offensive line, which you don't really get anywhere else. So I love that crew. They have a lot of fun. They don't take themselves too seriously, but they take themselves seriously enough and they bring a lot to the table from an X's and O knowledge standpoint. A lot of respect for them. That would be my choice. I, I would love them to elevate that entire crew to primetime ESPN. That's almost certainly not going to happen, but that would be my choice. Another guy I really like is Dan Orlovsky as a color guy. He's another guy that I really respect as someone who knows the game and can communicate the game. I learn things when I watch a Dan Orlovsky broadcast, and that's what I'm looking for. And Homer alert here. I also think two of our guys do a really good job. I think they're both very underrated. I think Matt Stinchcomb does a fantastic job. He has a really good voice. He has a very easy manner. He's very insightful, very knowledgeable. And I know he just got his job with ESPN this year. His first time ESPN guy was with CBS for a while, CBS Sports Network. I think Aaron Murray does a really good job. Now, the thing that hurts Aaron is his voice is kind of nasally at times. So he doesn't have a perfect voice for it. But the dude knows football. He knows how to communicate. He's relatable. He still hasn't called a ton of college games, so he's still polishing his game up. But give Aaron a couple of years. I think that guy is going to be a big-time color guy for ESPN. I'm very, very high on both Aaron and Matt Stinchcomb. But I, I, I would go I would go with Jordan Rogers. I know that's not going to happen. That's my preference. Who do I think they're going to promote? Almost certainly Greg McElroy. I mean, guys, come on. It's going to be Greg McElroy, right? It's going to be. I, I don't hate Greg McElroy. I know some people do. He's fine. Like he does. He's gotten better, and he's a guy that 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 is relatable. And he, he I like his easygoing manner. I, I I appreciate that. But again, I go back to what I'm looking for first and foremost from a broadcast crew. Is I want you to tell me something I do not know. I want you to dissect the ins and outs of the game, the X's and O's. I don't think Greg McElroy really gives you much insight from that perspective. For that matter, I don't really think Kirk, Kirk Herbstreit does either. I think Kirk is really good at his job. I have a lot of respect for him, but I really don't think he brings a ton of insight into the game. And that's kind of how I feel about Todd Blackledge. I kind of put Todd Blackledge and Kirk Herbstreit on the same level. I think they're both pros. They work hard. They're prepared. When you hear them talk, you think college football, and I think that's important but I don't think they bring you elite insight into the X's and O's of the game, like the game within the game. I don't think they really do that as well as I think some of these other guys, some of these younger guys, to be honest with you, actually do. 
So I'll definitely be watching that. I mean, guys, I, I'm into this kind of thing. I'm the dude, you know, starting usually like in early June because it's usually late July around SEC uh, media days when they announce this. But I'm always like every day I'll check. Okay, has ESPN announced their broadcast crews for this year? Because sometimes we'll switch it up. Sometimes it's the same. Or usually it's pretty similar. But every now and then, like they'll switch some crews up. I'm like, okay, I want to I want to see what the crews are this year. So I'm kind of into this thing. But um, I, I like Jordan Rogers. I know that's that can be controversial among Georgia fans because I've heard a lot, a lot of my buddies. I know they like Jordan Rogers. You like this guy I'm like yeah like what's not to like about him but I, I know that some of you probably disagree with, with me on that but that's okay that's just uh, that's just my take on it but you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lips now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com you're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Let's move on here, guys. Let's go to topic number four. All right, topics number four and five are going to be Georgia tennis related. And this is what I was talking about earlier, guys. There are a lot of sports on campus that I believe deserve a lot more coverage than what they actually get. And look, guys, I know they're not mainstream. I know why they don't get more coverage because most people don't really know much about it and the sports aren't as popular as football, basketball, or even baseball. But we have two elite college tennis teams on campus, guys, two elite college tennis programs. And as a college tennis fan, as a Georgia tennis fan, I've, for a long time, I've been very frustrated about, like, not being able to find out a ton of information about what's going on with our teams. And so, again, I have a little bit of a voice here, so I'm going to try to do my best. If there's anyone out there that feels the same way, to try to give you guys as much information as I can. Now, caveat being, I still try to find this information out myself. I go to all the matches. I watch all the matches. I watch even the road matches. I watch most of them. I stream most of them. So I just want to try to give you guys what little I do know about what's going on with the team because I just don't think there's really coverage anywhere else outside of maybe once we get to the NCAA tournament. And this is not the first time I've said it, guys, but look, I know that tennis is not a mainstream sport. I understand that. I did not grow up on tennis. I'm a late comer to tennis. I love tennis. I've started to play tennis myself. I'm trying to get better at it. Uh, I'm learning more and more about tennis each and every time I watch a match. But please don't just dismiss it out of hand, even though it might not be something you've ever really gotten into. These guys wear the G just like all of our Georgia football players do. And they go out there and they work their tails off just like our Georgia football guys do, just like our Georgia basketball guys do, and gals, right? Because we've got women's tennis players, not women's football players. We've got some women tennis players out there. And if you're looking for something to follow, to try to pass the time during the offseason, I strongly encourage you to start following Georgia tennis. It's fun, guys, and we're good. We're really, really good. We have two national championship contenders yet again this year. Are we going to win the national title? I don't know, but we got two teams that could. They have the talent to get that done and the coaching to get that done. But anyway, number four here on our inaugural Friday Five, let's talk about the Georgia women's tennis team here real quick. So last weekend, we qualified for the National Indoor Tournament that's going to be held in Seattle in a couple of weeks. And then we had a road match on Wednesday 
against North Carolina, who is number two in the country. North Carolina has a fantastic women's tennis program. They haven't won a national title the past couple of years, but they've been like right there. They've been one of the best teams each and every year. And this year is no different. In fact, North Carolina has three singles players inside the top eight of the national sing- women's singles rankings. They are freaking awesome. They're the number, the number one singles player on court one. So we went to Chapel Hill and we did not win this match, but we put up a hell of a fight. The final score ended up being 5-2. So they won five matches, we won two. But the matches that we lost were all very competitive. We lost the doubles point. Like, And when you play an elite team, you almost, you almost have to win the doubles point. Like, Winning the doubles point gives you a huge advantage when the margins are that small. But the doubles point was very close. We won on court one, 6-3. Then we lost on court two, 7-5, and 6-4 on court three. So we lose the doubles point. We go into singles play down 1-0. But what I really want to focus on, I know we lost, but North Carolina's awesome, and they're playing all the road. There's no shame in that. We are capable of beating them, as I'll get to in a second. But what I want to focus on is court one. Leah Ma, who's ranked number 19 in the country, she's a senior now. And this girl has been incredibly talented her entire career. But I have also been critical of Leah at times, and my criticism has always centered on what I've perceived as her disinterest at times out there in the court. And she's just a different person. She has kind of a free spirit. But like you have to understand watching Georgia women's tennis for, you know, for four years before Leah got here, it was Katarina Jokic on court one. And Katarina was a killer. She was uh, her nickname was Cardiac Cat. Because when you needed somebody in the mo- like in a big moment to come up clutch for your team, Cat was that person, and she just had that killer instinct. And I haven't seen that from Leah. Sometimes it feels like she gets bored and disinterested out there. I think Leah might actually be more talented than Cat was, but I just didn't see that killer instinct and just that that drive that we saw from Katarina. But I gotta give Leah Ma credit. She came up huge in this match against the number one singles player in the country for North Carolina, a girl named Fiona Crawley. She lost the first set six two. She could have easily gone in the back. And the second set was a fight, man. She ends up winning the second set 7-6, and the tie break was 8-6. So a very, very tight second set. And then what does Leah do following that second set? Well, she rides that momentum to a 6-1 win in the third set to take the match and beat the number one singles player in the country on her birthday, by the way. That was not enough for us to win the overall match, but I got to give Leah a lot of credit. I think that's a really good sign for us because Leah has always had that talent. So if she can match that focus and that killer instinct like that all season long and she can kind of ball it up and make that consistent, watch out, guys. Like I'm telling you, this could be a national title contender on the on the women's tennis side. I think we've got that because we've got, we've got some vets. We've got Meg Kowalski, who's just like... I, my favorite Georgia athlete still. Just love this girl. She's just a fighter, man. She is the she is a quintessential Georgia Bulldog. Talk about a DGD. That is Meg Kowalski. Um, but we got some vets like her. Leah's been around for a while. Got some really, really good young players. Dasha Vidmanova on court two. Mel Riasco on court three are sophomores. Then we've got um, Nastia Lapata on court six. There's one another girl, Alexandra Vechik, who is the highest rate of her UTR, which is like your tennis score, your universal tennis rating. Her UTR is higher than any player in our team. Uh, she's a she's a freshman this year, but she's ineligible based on my understanding. I think it has to do with her potentially playing a pro tournament at some point. And in, in, in the NCAA apparently has ruled her ineligible for this season, which sucks because if we had her like really really watch out. But I still think we have a national title contender. Um, we in the matches we lost were close. I mean Anya Hurdle, who's another vet 
on court five, she uh, she lost. She won the first set six three and lost six four six four. And she played the number fifty eight player in the country on court five. That's how deep North Carolina is, guys. I mean, North Carolina on the four singles line has the number five player in the country playing. Like that's that's un that's insane. Like that's unheard of. Like I don't understand how they can be that deep, but they are. They're really really good. And then Nastia Lapata on court six, the freshman. She uh, she fought hard, man. She lost the first set six two, then won the second set six four, and lost the third. She got broken late and lost six four. So we were right there. I mean, on any given day, we are good enough to beat North Carolina. It just wasn't our day on the road there in Chapel Hill. But um, I think this team is gonna be really good the rest of the way. So very very excited for for Leah number one. That's a sign of really good things to come in the future. And I think this team is gonna go make some noise in Seattle at the National Indoor Tournament here in a couple of weeks. And finally, guys, let's wrap things up today with some talk on the men's side of the Georgia tennis equation. And I want to focus on a guy that's not even on campus right now, a dude named Alex Michelson. So this guy is the crown jewel of our number one recruiting class coming in next year. Number one recruiting class in the entire country. He's 18 years old and he just pulled off a, a stunning upset, in my opinion, at the Cleveland Challengers. An 18-year-old dude, earlier this week, defeated a guy named Jack Sock. I don't know how closely you follow tennis, if you follow tennis at all. But just to give you an idea who Jack Sock is, like he's not necessarily an elite player. He's a former top 10 player on the pro tennis tournament. That's, that's who this guy is. And he's 31 years old. And Michelson beat him. He beat him in the first round of the Cleveland Challenger. He's already won one pro tournament earlier this year, and I don't know how he'll end up with this tournament, but that caught my attention. Jack Sock's a good tennis player, guys. I'm getting former number eight player in the world, and 18-year-old Alex Michelson, who's not stepped foot on a college campus yet, beat him. And beat him in straight sets, 7-6-6-4. He's also a really good doubles player. I saw him at Kalamazoo. I was watching Ethan Quinn, who's our stud freshman. He's the next great player in college tennis. And I was watching him at Kalamazoo this, this summer, and he was playing Alex Michelson, his future teammate. I think it was in the doubles final. Kalamazoo is where they have like the boys championships every year. And uh, so the best players in the country are there. The best young players in the country are there. And I believe it was Michelson and his partner versus Ethan and his partner in the doubles finals. But it wasn't the finals, it was the semifinals. It was a very, very close match. He's a great doubles player. He's obviously a great singles player. And I bring this up just to put everyone on notice. The future for Georgia Tennis could not possibly be brighter. Heck, the future is extraordinarily bright. Like We are a national title contender this year. We have a guy, an Ethan Quinn on court one. He's a freshman, and he's taken, he's taken a few bumps here early in the season, but he is as talented as it gets, and he's just going to continue to improve and get better and better and better. I mean, he's the number one player in the country right now, so it's, it's hard to improve much from, the, from that point. When, you're, when you start there, it's, and it's only up from there. That's crazy to think. Ethan is going to be an incredible player. So we have a strong court one player who can beat the best players in the country. He's beaten most of the best players in the country, a lot of the best players in the country. And then we have a really awesome group of super seniors who stuck around for another year who could put our program back on solid ground. There were a couple of lean years and these guys came through and they do things the right way. They're fun to be around. Um, they work really, really hard and they're really talented. So that veteran group mixed with a nice young core like Miguel Perez, Pena, Ethan Quinn, we have a team that can absolutely compete with anybody in the country. So I hate to look too far ahead, but it's hard not to when you think about the possibilities of matching guys like Ethan Quinn, Alex Michelson, another guy named Ignacio Buse, who's also a really, really talented player, part of our number one recruiting class. Matching all those young guys together like that, 
I mean, guys, it's going to be a fun couple of years in Athens watching this team go. I'm going to be shocked if we don't win a national title sometime in the next three to four years. I will be absolutely shocked with the talent that we have currently in the program and recruited to come into the program. So got to give Manny Diaz and Jamie Hunt a lot of credit. They've, they've put this program back on national championship track, and I think it's only a matter of time until we get another one. But all right, guys, that's it for me here today. So I know it's a little bit of a shorter episode. And that's what's going to happen with these Friday Five episodes. They're not going to be as long as our typical episode is going to be. Just five topics that have caught my attention that I want to talk about. I think you guys might be interested to hear some thoughts and just hear some talk about. So I hope you enjoy this. I really do. I had fun talking about some things that are a little bit different than what we normally do on this podcast. But again, let me know. If you're into this and you want me to do this more frequently, I would love to hear from you. Hit us up on, on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can tweet us. You can DM us. You can email us. Podcast at gmail.com whatever works best for you I'd love to hear from you guys so as I don't, if you don't like it I, I need to know too so I don't continue to, to do this and I don't want to waste time and, and put stuff out there that no one cares about but anyway guys thank you for humoring me thank you for being here appreciate you uh, have a fantastic weekend I know I said that in the last episode because I didn't think I was going to do this episode but I changed my mind and ultimately decided to sit down and do it so officially have a great weekend and uh, as always go dogs. <laughs>